Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. It is so good to have you here with us today. Really appreciate you hanging out with us. Really means a lot. Hey, if you are someone who is at a spot in life you're looking for a fresh start, a do-over perhaps, then you have come to the right place. You've come to the right episode because we've got a great show for you, great interview, great inspiring guest for you today. We've got my buddy John Acuff, and John is a writer, a speaker, an author. He's got his hand in a, in a bunch of different things, but today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about a, a new guide, a new book he's got out called Do-Over. And so if again, if you are someone who is in a spot where you just feel stuck, maybe professionally or personally, you are looking for that reset button. Like you remember in elementary, you remember when we played dodgeball or kickball and and maybe you get out and you'd call a do-over. You're like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I need, a, I need a do-over. And so John and I, we talk about that today in terms of people's careers. And how, what do you do when you're at a spot where you just feel stuck and maybe you're just not sure what you need to do next? How do you hit that do-over button in life? So this is a really great conversation. I think it's going to be really, really helpful, encouraging, and inspiring to you today. So without further delay, let's get into it. Hey, also quick reminder, before I forget, make sure that you download the extended edition that we've got here, the bonus podcast interview that I have with John. So I encourage you to download that. You can download that at grantbaldoncom slash John Acuff if you would like. So, all right, let's get into it, my friends. Here's the chit chat with John. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my friend John Acuff, who is an author, speaker, and all-around swell dude. So uh, excited to get into his story, his journey today. He's got a new book that's really relevant to you, so I know that you're really going to enjoy this conversation today. So John, what is up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Grant. So speaker, author, well, what else do you do? How do you describe yourself? Oh, definitely author. Uh, not, author not so much speaker? Of- no, I mean, speaker, I'm a writer who speaks, not a speaker who writes. All right, fair enough. And so I, you know, first and foremost, try to create ideas in books, and then I have the fun opportunity to go share those ideas in speeches. So no. I get to do both, but first, definitely author. Now, there's a lot of people that I know that reach out to us who want to be an author, want to be a writer of some form. So is that something that you've always wanted to do, something that's always just been intriguing to you? Yeah, I knew in third grade I wanted to be a writer, but that by no means... I knew exactly what that looked like. I love when people tell me their five-year plan. I think that's adorable. <laughs> it's precious. Like, you don't know where you're going. Like, and life is so much, there's more than you control and there's a lot less than you control too. And so, yeah, I knew in third grade I wanted to be a writer. A teacher of mine laminated some poems I had written and I, I felt like I'd been published. But I, uh, in college, I studied journalism. So I spent four years in college working on journalism and then was in advertising and spent 16 years in branding. So it's a 20-year process. But yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. I didn't know I'd want to write blogs because blogs didn't exist. You know, that's what I always tell people when they try to tell me, like, they have to have a perfect major is the thing you do in life might not even exist yet. Right. Right. Which is always like weird to wrap your mind around. I tell audiences the same thing that, you know, the career that you may have someday hasn't even been invented yet. And so, yeah, you know, it's, you, it's mind blowing. Yeah, you look at something like, you know, all the apps that we have on our phones and our gadgets, like that wasn't even a thing several years ago, you know, and, video game designer. Yeah, like, for the sure. Stuff they're doing the languages they're using, you know, the programming of it. It's so, yeah, I, th- I think it's really fascinating. That's why a lot of the way I like to communicate and the books I write is about 
figuring out the things you can develop that will apply to everything you do, regardless of how you change. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So for you writing, was it more of those things that's like, I want to write and what that looks like could look a million different ways. Like you said, whether it be ad writing or copywriting or, you know, writing a novel or writing a blog or whatever, was it just like, I just need to write and I now I'll kind of figure out what that looks like or what were you kind of thinking that would help yeah, that would shape yeah, out? You know, it's not like I started writing. This wasn't like in third grade. I was like, from here on, I'm a writer. And this I got is like, it array or whatever and started writing in the fourth grade um no i wrote poetry in high school a little bit and then i did a little i wrote newspaper articles for the school paper in college and then i did a bunch of advertising and i just liked communicating ideas through words so i love the ability to you know for you and i and other people that write to sit down and come up with an idea and communicate it through words and i got to do that at jobs i had which was awesome um for home depot for instance people sometimes ask me where i learned to tweet and i I learned it at Home Depot because I'd come in and they'd say, hey, we need 12 headlines for a granite ad by 12 o'clock noon for the New York Times. Go. And I learned this fire drill creativity that was a great education for me with how I use Twitter. And so, yeah, it's, it is definitely that idea of I, I want to write and the form and the shape is going to change as I change. I mean, the things I care about as a 39-year-old are different than the things I cared about as a 29-year-old. I'm so glad I didn't write do over until I was 39 because yeah. I know different things than I thought I knew at 29. But let's, like, let's take that Home Depot example for a second. Like hindsight's 2020, and it's like, yeah, that experience of writing headlines for a uh, you know a granite countertop or whatever on the fly is helps me today. But in the moment, are you enjoying that type of job? Are you enjoying the ad copy or writing headlines or just working for a corporate organization? Are you enjoying that type of? Uh, I'm enjoying parts of it. I'm also being an idiot. You know, like it's equal parts. Yeah. I'm definitely enjoying parts of it where there's, you know, the creative challenge of, okay, it's the fifth kitchen remodel ad we've done. How do you bring something fresh to it? I mean, there's other parts that I, I didn't enjoy, but there's also things that I didn't know how to enjoy. When you work for yourself after you've worked for somebody else for 16 years, you realize, oh, there were some things that company was doing for me I was blind to and didn't appreciate. And now that I have to do everything, I appreciate them. So what do you say to someone who may be in that spot where it's like, I'm working a job and I feel stuck. I don't feel like this is what I want to do forever. I'm writing the same copy over and over. I'm just doing whatever that thing is. And I just feel like I'm just kind of going through the motions. And like, how do you have the long-term perspective knowing like, this isn't the end game. This may lead to something else, but to not get burnt out in where you currently are. I think a big part of it is the relationship you're in. You know, Do Over talks about this idea called the career savings account, which is relationships plus skills plus character times hustle and the relationship piece a lot of that is when you are stuck having other people around you that can help you see where you're stuck and help you see how to get out of that i was just in houston the other day and there was uh, somebody who worked in healthcare there and she said she'd always been a photographer too doing portraits but she wanted to do fine art photography and finally somebody said to her you're a fine art photographer the end and said and kind of called her out and said, like, admit that, say that, you know. And so I think that a lot of times when we're stuck, we need people in our lives that will help us see the truth and will help us see the path out of that. I mean, if I could go back to, you know, me, 25, 29, 30 even, I'd say get somebody 10 years older in your life that knows the road that can give you some truth. Did you not have that when you were in the Home Depots of the world and, and working in some of those early jobs of just someone that can call you out on some of those things, like in a loving way, who just like loves you enough to tell you how it is? I started to really build it when I went to Auto Trader a few years later. There was uh, an executive there that was really kind to me. Uh, I remember one lesson he taught me, and I didn't want to hear it at the time. That's the thing. When, 
when an advocate tells you the truth, when a mentor tells you the truth, I'd be lying if it felt good initially. Like when people have told me hard things, my, my just honest first reaction is like, no, you're wrong. No, of course sure. not. And then it takes me some time to kind of sit with it. And hopefully as I mature, I'm able to accept it quicker. And that's one of my goals in marriage is that, you know, to shorten the distance between when Jenny tells me something's true and I agree. <laughs> and when we were first married, it was like a week of me being a grumpy jerk. And now like, it's only a few hours. Like we're getting there. We're 13 years, almost, yeah, almost 14 years in. But no, I remember this guy, this executive at Auto Trader, because I had my first blog was really starting to take off and I wanted to quit and all these ideas. And he said, look, you know, I know somebody who had something take off once and because they had a full time job, it forced them to get better at giving other people chances to contribute to it because he couldn't do it all himself. And it mm -hmm. built up this huge network. And he said, so really, maybe this is time for you to reach out to other people and build relationships because it can't be a one person show. And that was great advice. I want to talk about that in just a second, but let's talk about for someone that may be listening to this who's going, all right, John, I get it that I got to surround myself with those people who can call me out and who lovingly care enough about me to call me out. But if I don't feel like I have those people, if I don't feel like I have that specific person, where do I begin to find those type of relationships or build those type of relationships? You just Google. It'll take like 30 <laughs> seconds. You'll probably have a lifelong friend in like an hour tops. That's all no, it, it takes. It takes time. It really does. It takes time and it takes intentionality. One of the exercises in do-over is about you don't know who you really know until you sit down and work on it. And so I'd challenge somebody about that. If somebody said to me, John, I don't know anybody, I'd say, you know somebody. Like one of my favorite stories that I, I didn't put in the book, there's this woman, Terry, at Thistle Farms. And Thistle Farms is this amazing nonprofit in Nashville that helps get women that have been involved in sex trafficking and prostitution off the streets. And Terry, I met with her and, and had a great conversation. She runs the cafe there and she was a crack addict and she knew she wanted to quit crack. And she just said to herself, okay, it's Friday. I'm going to smoke crack all weekend. And then Sunday I'll join Thistle Farms and I'll go through this two-year residential program. And none of the crack dealers that weekend would sell her crack. Everywhere she went, they would say, no, we know you're trying to clean yourself up. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. And so she didn't get to have her last blowout weekend. And the story I always tell off of that is, is there a chance your friends are better than crack dealers? Like, is there a <laughs> chance that you might have a friend who's better to you than a crack dealer? Right. And the answer to that is yes. Right. Yes, there is. And so I think it takes time. The other thing, let's be honest, it takes bravery. Like relationships take bravery. So I'm not going to pretend for a second that it's easy to find these people and get them in your life. Like it takes relational bravery. One thing I'd say if you're a listener going, oh yeah, sure, like magical mentors grow on trees. Thanks for making it sound so easy is find one person you respect and ask them one question. You know, a lot of times when we hear this idea of finding an advocate, we send these like 10,000 word long emails to people and go like, will you be my mentor? And that is such the wrong, like when I speak and somebody asks me that after, or like when I used to do that to people, I just think through what that might've been like, because for me to ask somebody who's never met me to be my mentor is like asking somebody I've never met to marry me. Right. Like yep. it's a very intimate, personal thing. And I think a great question, like ask them one question and I'll even give you the first question. Ask them what's one book they would recommend you read because that gives them a question they can answer. You know, if you ask them some long question that's like, hey, I just, you know, I'm going through this thing and I would really, you've never met, but I would love you to give me 
your best life advice in 10 words. Like the person you respect is going to be busy. They better be like, or, you know, they better have a lot going on because they're going to be out there working, you know? And so what's one book you could read and start the relationship slowly. Well, I think to add on to that, I think it's not only just asking them that initial question, but then doing what they tell you, taking that one thing. Because anytime, yeah. like it's it's amazing. Like I know for for me and probably for you too. Like if people reach out and ask for advice, like I'm always happy to help and however I can. But when I know that like I'm giving you advice and I know you're not going to do anything with it, that's just discouraging for me. It doesn't make me really want to help. But if I know like if I gave someone the book to read, I was like, hey, this is the book. Go read this one. And they came back to me like a week later and they're like, all right, I read it. What's next? I'd be like, dang, I'll do it whatever I need to do to help you because it just shows like they're invested, they're engaged. In they're the all in. Yeah, they're for sure. In. They're yeah. not just asking just to, you know, looking for a handout or a favor. They're willing to put into action the, whatever the advice is that you just gave them. Yeah, I learned that from my father-in-law. He is huge, huge executive and really successful. And people would ask him to, you know, can I have some advice? Can we meet? And he would say, yeah, let's meet at 5 a.m. in this part of Atlanta or 6 a.m. And if they ever came back and said, uh, can we do it later in a part of town that was closer to me? He'd say no, because he knew if they weren't willing to make the meeting, they weren't going to be willing to do any of the advice. So it was going to be a waste of both their times. Oh, I like that. And That's so true. like for me, yeah, you know, if somebody asks me for career advice, a lot of times I'll go, Hey, have you read do over or have you read start or quitter? And if they go, no, then, you know, it's not that like, I'm fine. Get it at the library, like get quitter at the library, like get borrow start from a friend. But just, you know, that's where I put my best career advice right now. But it's completely different if they email me go, I read Start. And there's these three things I thought about that I had questions on. Here's what I'm thinking. Like that, I go, oh, man, this person's, they're on the grind. Like, let me figure out, oh, that's a great question. I hadn't thought about it that way. I I remember a guy, I wrote Quitter, and I would have changed this about Quitter now because you always want to change something about a book. Sure. It was kind of all or nothing. Like, you have to do it this way. Like, you have to slowly build the side hustle until it's perfect time to jump. And he said, you know, I read Quitter. My dream is to be a cattle rancher, you know, and the ranch I work on is nine hours away from my day job, you know, and I can't get like one head of cattle in my apartment complex. Like, I can't grow that slowly. That's an all or nothing thing. And I thought, you know what? That's a great point. Like, that's, I was too black and white. Thanks for showing me some gray. You know, and we were able to conversation, have a conversation about that. Let's go back to one of the things you mentioned that you've got this, you're building the blog, the things are going well, you're ready to make the leap, but you've got, you know, a, sounds like a, a boss or mentor at, at AutoTrader who's saying, eh, you may like hold on for a second there. Whenever you have some of that advice, you feel like you're ready to make the jump, but someone else is saying like, you might hang on just for, for a second and let's, let's think this through. Like, what's your reaction to that? Knowing that you're like, you're just itching to, to go and make the move. Well, I mean, my reaction first is usually frustration because I want to do it right now and I want it to be easy and fast. But, you know, I think if your circle of friends is saying, I think you need to be patient, then maybe you need to be patient. If the only person you're getting advice from is the person you know will say yes to whatever you say, you know, that fun friend that's like, oh, that's a great idea. Do Do a ferritopia where ferrets get haircuts, you know. Like if your friends are all kind of collectively saying, I don't know about that. I'd be careful. That's what's fascinating to me. We did, there's this tool we have, the careersavingsaccount.com. It's 12 questions, one really fun quiz that kind of gives you a look at your career. And 3,000 people took it, and 63% of them don't have a mentor in their life and don't have somebody they get feedback from. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you, you know, if somebody's saying, hey, let's be patient or let's ask these questions, if your response is anger and attitude, then maybe it's not time. You know, if your response is, 
those are five great questions and here's my five great answers. And I've thought about that and I've been working on that. You know, that's a completely different conversation. Maybe it is time to go. Yeah. All right. Let's just talk where you're at there. So you're gone through Home Depot. You're at Auto Trader. You're building this blog up. You're building kind of your following and just your blog and everything that you've got going there. What are some of your next steps there as you begin to transition to doing your own thing? Yeah. So I just start doing it and I start sacrificing. You know, to do anything that matters, you have to sacrifice other things that matter less. So I, I'm really deliberate about my time. I start getting up early. I write my blog before I go to work. You know, I kind of, I start getting a little, you know, a couple media hits, which is awesome. And so I'm doing radio interviews in my car at lunch at my day job. I start focusing on my day job because I know that the harder I work at my day job, the harder I'll work at my dream because they're connected. Yeah. You, you don't get to be lazy 40 hours a week and then think you'll hustle on the weekend. That's just not how it works. You're training yourself all week at your day job. So I do stuff like that. And then it starts to grow a little. I get enough blog traffic that I'm able to get a literary agent and I'm able to get a publisher interested in the book. And I get two publishers and, and Zondervan wants to publish my first book, which was just gigantic. And so in the meantime, I'm trying to learn how to be a speaker. I stink at it, you know, like anything new you start. Sure. And I start doing speaking engagements and, you know, free or not, I was there to speak. You know, I was there to, to practice. And then I run into the Dave Ramsey organization and they invite me up to speak to their team, which is a huge opportunity. It was the second time I'd really kind of professionally spoken, if you will. Yeah. And I go up and it goes really well. And when we start talking about jobs and it just wasn't a good fit at the time. And so I do it again a year later and do it a third time a year later. And they buy a copy of my book for every staff member, which was gigantic, just so awesome. And they say, hey, you know, We've got this idea. What what if you wrote books with us? And what if you, you know, were a public speaker for us? And my wife and I felt like, okay, we've spent, you know, the initial moment was like 2008 when the blog took off. And that was the really big temptation to be like, I'm out of here. And then the second kind of I'm out of here moment was when I got a book deal. But dude, I got $30,000 for my book deal. And when you take away agent fee and taxes and everything else, that's like $13,000. Yeah. And if anybody ever won a $13,000 lottery, you'd be an idiot if you asked them if they were going to move to Mexico and retire. <laughs> and so we had kind of worked on it for a couple of years and felt like this is a great opportunity to move and learn from uh, an organization like Dave Ramsey's organization. So that's what we did. So you're doing that for a little while. I think what's important, and, and you kind of touched on it there, was you're with Home Depot, you're with Auto Trader, you're building your thing, you're with Ramsey for a little while. And everybody, it's easy to just look at like today. It's like, oh, he's, you know, he's a, a New York Times bestselling author and he gets to speak all over and he gets to do all this. But nobody sees like the, I'm sitting in my car on my lunch break doing radio interviews and nobody sees that I'm getting up at 5 a.m. to write. And nobody sees like this non-glamorous part. You know, we were joking about a little bit uh, before we, we started recording here about just the non-glamorous parts of hustle that nobody sees. And so I think it's just easy from the outside looking in for anybody to be like, oh man, he's, you know, he's got it made. They're a speaker, they're a writer, they're a fill in the blank, whatever that thing is that I want to do. And a lot of times we look at like that A to Z spectrum and Z is the mountaintop. That's the glamorous part. That's the sexy part of autographing books and book deals and being on stage. But nobody sees the ABC steps in the beginning that it requires in order for you to get to where you are today. Yeah. And you know what? I think a lot of that, there's a couple of different reasons it happens. But one of them that I just think is really toxic is that we create that. The speaker creates that. The Internet person creates that. Because what happens is 
you know, you feel like, okay, I want to inspire people. So I'll show them the result and I'll, you know, look at all these great things that happened or even worse, you have a product you want to sell them that promises the same great things will happen. So you shine up your story and you show like, look at this amazing thing that happens. And if you buy my online product, that'll happen to you too in an hour. And we discount all the stuff along the way because it's not sexy. It's not fun to tweet about. It's not interesting. You know, like, and so then we show them the after and then we go, it's so weird. People think I'm an overnight success. Well, sometimes it's because you created that myth. Like you told this origin story that wasn't true. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the tension for guys like you and I is to say, you know, in a honest way, like I've posted a couple times um, photos out of my hotel where I'm staying on a speaking engagement that show like this is the side of a highway in a town you normally wouldn't visit if you had a choice. Yep. And this is a hotel that like I might, you know, like I might uh, sleep in my clothes, you know, like it's not then you don't post it to say like I'm above this. You don't want to seem like you're so fancy, like, oh, it's dirty. But you do want to go. Everybody posts that when you work on your own, especially they post the like here's my office today and it's you overlooking this beautiful ocean setting. Right. And those are fine. Like post those. Those are fun. Don't hear me criticizing if you do, but don't only post those because that's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. There's nobody sees the time you had to have the can of Lysol to spray down the bed. Or it sees you eating granola bars as dinner or yep. lunch. Cause like the first rule of public speaking is grab as many snacks from the green room as possible. <laughs> Cause you're going to be at a Hampton Inn at 10 o'clock at night with no car and they don't have food, and you're going to be like, oh, I got a Nutrigrain, or I got a Power Bar, and it's squished into one, like, fist-sized shape, and you're like, well, like, this is dinner tonight. Like, that's not fun to talk about, but that's part of it. You got to, I mean, you got to lean into that stuff, too, and not complain about it, but just go, like, this is part of it, and it's, you know, where's the fun side of this that I can laugh about this and be excited about it? That's so true. I know right now in my travel bag, I've got a bag of M&Ms, a bag of almonds, and a smushed-up Cliff Bar. So it's, oh, yeah, that's, exactly. See? I know at some point that I'm going to need one of those, and I just got to keep them on the reserve. I took three granola bars from an event yesterday. There's no shame in that. I'm not no, judging. Not I know, at all. I know there's other people that are like, man, he sure is hitting that, like, I'm like a squirrel storing up for winter. Like, I know the winter's coming. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So you, it leads us all the way to today. And you've got this new book that's recently come out and uh, we've been dancing around a little bit. A book called Do Over, Rescue Monday, Reinvent Your Work and Never Get Stuck. So give us just a nutshell. What is this book all about? And again, we've kind of touched on it a little bit throughout, but just give us the overall synopsis of what is Do Over all about? Yeah. I mean, the idea is that as kids, we knew we had permission to have a do over when something didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. Yeah. And we kind of lost touch with that as adults and accepted, you know, okay, this is my lot in life or this is my job. And, and so the book's about how do you build a career savings account, which I mentioned earlier. And it's basically the idea that we spend 18 years getting ready for college. And then and the next thing we get ready for is death and retirement. And there's this 40 year gap where we don't invest in our careers. We, you know, we think a job's just a job and we eat at TGI Fridays, not TGI Mondays, because culturally we have accepted work doesn't have to matter. And my argument is it can and it should. And so there's four types of do-over moments every career goes through. There's a ceiling moment when you get stuck and you you know could be at the top of a career ladder. Industries get stuck. The New York Times wrote a great article about why didn't Kodak create Instagram? Mm. Why didn't Polaroid create Instagram? Because companies move from innovation when they begin to protection when they get successful and they just protect themselves and they get stuck. So you hit a ceiling or the second one is you hit a bump. And a bump is you lose your job. 
you get laid off, you get fired. And it might not be as dramatic. It might be the manager that you loved that recruited you left a month after you got to the company. Yeah, You were suddenly really vulnerable. And then on the positive side of things, there's what I call a jump where you – like your family, you move to the Nashville area. That's a big jump. It could be something smaller. It could be you start a blog. It could be you read a book, you take a class. It's something positive in the right direction. And the last one is what I call an opportunity, which is when something unexpected happens in your life. And we joked about five-year plan. I talked to a CEO of a bank in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And I said, how'd you become CEO? And he said, well, I was a teller for a few years and my boss got arrested for counterfeiting checks. So her position opened up. If you think in his five-year plan, he was like, work really hard for three years. Hope the person above me goes to the state pen. Like, of course not. That was an unexpected moment. And so those are really the four things. And you need a piece of your career savings account in each of those transitions. I want to talk about that for a second because I think that's true. I, I say the same thing to whenever I speak to people of, you know, five-year, 10-year plans. Like you have no idea what your life is going to look like five or 10 years from now. And you have no idea, you know, how your life looks today, how it's different than how you might have thought it would be a year ago. A year ago, I, it wasn't on the radar to move to Nashville at all. So you have no. no idea how that might play out. So how do you then begin to plan and make any type of like sense of, of direction or purpose with your career if uh, versus just feeling like, well, I'm just kind of dust in the wind, just kind of going wherever the breeze takes me versus being intentional and focused about where you're headed. Yeah, I think that's why, you know, somebody asked me that the other day about millennials and them changing jobs, you know, if they're going to change jobs more. And my big belief is I write books that regardless of what you do, hopefully they apply. So when I say build a career savings account, I'm saying you're going to have a lot of other jobs and I don't know what those are yet and neither do you. And we're not going to try to predict those, but I know 100% that every one of those jobs is going to benefit from your ability to sharpen your skills, to build strong relationships, to have solid character, and to learn how to hustle. And we're going to make investments in those so that whether you want to be an entrepreneur, and not everybody should be an entrepreneur. I can't stress that enough. 70% totally of people don't like their jobs. 100% of them are not supposed to be entrepreneurs. We have this culture right now that shames people that don't want to be entrepreneurs. You go, if you really want to chase a dream, you have to be an entrepreneur. That's garbage. You can do amazing work at a big company. There are a lot of people that do great stuff and chase great dreams within the concept of a big company. And so... My thing is, okay, you're going to change your job. You're going to do something. Let's invest in these things so that no matter where you start to shape things, and I believe in this idea of like a fuzzy vision where you go, okay, I know, for instance, my fuzzy vision, within the next two years, I'll write another book. I don't know what the topic's going to be yet. I don't know, you know what exactly it'll be yet, but I have the fuzzy vision to do that. And so then I can go, in order for that to happen, I have to be writing okay, well, I can write and I'll see where things go. But in the meantime, I'm going to invest in relationships. And what that means is I'll launch another book in two years or three years. So I should really be deliberate about being intentional with my relationships. I should connect with guys like Grant so that when the next book comes out, I can have this conversation again and we have an even better relationship and we can support each other, you know? And when he launches something, I can help him launch that. So you just get really deliberate about controlling the things you can control. And what you can control is how you invest in those four things. So one of those four things being relationships, we spend a lot of time talking about that. Let's talk about the skill set. How do you know what skills to focus on? Because again, again, kind of fast forwarding into the future, I don't know, you know, where my trajectory is going to take me. And that's one of the unique things about everybody that we talk to on the show is that even kind of the people I know that you've talked to as well, the people like, you know, I went to college to be a journalist and today I make fancy artwork out of yarn. And it's just like totally opposite thing. So how do I know what skills to to focus on when, again, I don't know how I'm going to use them in the future. 
I think that's a good question. There's, there's two types of skills. There's new skills and old skills, and they both take bravery. And so a lot of times you don't know what skills you have until you deliberately look at them. You know, I talked to a woman who was a flight attendant for 20 years, and she realized I have amazing people skills that I honed over tens of thousands of interactions with people on planes. Yeah, I can take those skills forward. So that's the idea of an old skill, keeping it sharp, working on it. The idea of a new skill is when you get a new opportunity, be brave enough to learn it. Because it's hard to learn new things because you're not good at them. And you won't be at first because that's what it means to learn something new. And so for me, to use myself as an example because I'm the only other one on the line right now. That's fair enough. I read a blog, acuff.me, and I asked a room full of high schoolers who here reads blogs and nobody raised their hand. And they're all on Snapchat. And so I have a choice. You know, that's a new skill for me. I don't know how to use Snapchat. I just don't. Like, if you ask me honestly, would I prefer not to learn it? Probably. Yep. You know, like, I know how to do Twitter. I know how to do some other things. But if I want to stay relevant in this new way that my career communicating has changed, I have to learn Snapchat. And so I think there's times when the career path you move into offers you an invitation to stay relevant or to prepare. I always think about these two different designers. One was a graphic designer, and he said, John, you know, I remember you could take an online design class, but you didn't have to. It was an elective in college just for fun. And then one day, I felt like I woke up, and if you didn't know how to design for the internet, you were a dinosaur. Yep. And so he had to make some changes, and he learned how to do that. Contrast that with the industrial designer that my friend worked with, who was great at drawing plans by hand, but didn't know how to do AutoCAD. Yeah. And so his company said to him, hey, you got to learn AutoCAD. You got to learn AutoCAD. And he said, no, I can keep up. I'm faster. I'm faster. And for a minute, he was. But eventually, you lose to AutoCAD, and he lost his job. So I think that there's times like that where you get that option of you can, you can either choose to change or you get stuck. So we've talked a little bit about the relationships, the skills piece, the character piece. Let's talk about that, the final piece, the hustle piece of like, where does that drive come from? Because it seems like it's difficult to like, is that teachable? Does someone learn hustle or is it just kind of the type of thing where it's like you just, you got it or you don't? I think it's 100% teachable. I think a lot of people that, you know, worked with me the first 10 years of my life might've said John didn't have hustle. So I feel like I'm a product and example that it it definitely is something you can learn. It is something that can be taught. I think the real challenge right now is that hustle has a bad name. Hustle on the internet kind of sounds like an Axe body spray flavor. Mm. You know, all of our most obnoxious promotional friends, you know, take quotes that Abraham Lincoln did not say and put them on top of pictures of Lamborghinis and say, every day I'm hustling and, <laughs> you know, use it to ask for favors they shouldn't ask for or roll all over relationships. Right. So for me, a big part of hustle is recognizing that Hustle is not about becoming a workaholic. It's not about working 900 hours a week. Hustle is an act of focus, not frenzy. It's a scalpel. It helps you remove things from your life. And it, it has seasons. There's going to be seasons where you work 70 hours a week. But there's also going to be seasons where you don't. And in a, in a culture, in a world that praises busyness, rest is an act of bravery. Yeah. Rest is part of hustle. So the way I look at hustle is a little counterintuitive, but I think it does multiply all the other things in your career savings account. Interesting. Well, I got a couple other questions I want to ask you. One I want to talk about, just answering this question of now what? So I've heard this, maybe I've even picked up the book and I'm starting to go through the book. Now what? What's the first step that I need to begin to take? We're going to save that for the bonus round. So I'm just going to tease that out there. But in the meantime, someone that may be listening to this, like, all right, I got to get my hands on this fine piece of craftsmanship. Where can we go to pick up the book? 
Yeah, it's sold anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, local bookstores. It's always awesome to support local bookstores. Um, you can get it there. Um, if you want to watch the trailer or anything like that, you can just go to doover.me. My blog is acuff.me and Twitter, which I'm on a bunch, is J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. So just John Acuff. So those are the best ways to connect with me. We will link up to all of those, and maybe in the near future we will see you on Snapchat as well. You're going to have to unless <laughs> I choose to become irrelevant. And there you go. <laughs> all right, we've got a couple other questions, so we'll save those for the bonus round. People can download that through the show notes page, so we'll be coming at you again in just a second. So, John, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me, Grant. All right, my friends, hope you enjoyed that interview with John Acuff. Really good stuff there. Hey, I would encourage you to stop by and check out, pick up that book, Do Over by John. Really good stuff. Subtitle of Rescue Monday, Reinvent Your Work and Never Get Stuck. And again, I'm sure many of you may be feeling like that. You know, in fact, I know a lot of you feel like that because that's why you you email, you reach out to me and just say, Grant, I, I feel stuck. I dread Mondays and I'm tired of work as it exists and the way I'm doing it right now. I'm looking for something different. I want to go a different direction. I want to go a different path. I'm looking for a do-over. And so if that's you, I'd really encourage you to check out John's new book, Do-Over. Again, you can find that at booksellers online or offline anywhere near you. All right. I think that about wraps up this episode, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that. Hey, we would love for you, if you're digging the show, make sure that you subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating or review in iTunes or Stitcher. We'd love to hear from you. Helps other people to find out about the show as well. Also, feel free to email me anytime, grant at grantbaldwin.com. Let me know what you're chewing on or wrestling with and what we can do to help you out. So we will catch you again soon. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.